Hey, my name's Ian and welcome to OCC Online. Uh, I'm so, so glad that you're here. If, uh, if you're watching for the very first time, a huge welcome to you. I hope that you enjoy being with us. If you're watching for the hundredth time and engaging with this online, welcome and I hope uh, you enjoy your time with us. Uh, we are a family of, of, of people, of God's people on mission with Jesus together. And so uh, this is just one of the ways in which we connect as community. Um, so today, my prayer for you is that as we engage in this online platform uh, and you hear some of the conversation, the discussion, the messages that are spoken and God's word is, 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 is read and revealed, uh, that you'd be captivated by Jesus afresh today. Good morning, everyone. Hope you're doing okay. Um, hope you've had a good week. So we're going to start by celebrating and praising God, and we're going to rock out. Are we, Elijah? Yeah. We're going to rock. So uh, let's go for it. Let's uh, Wherever you are, let's get the air guitars, the air pianos, and the air drums out, and let's go crazy for God this morning. This bitten you have rescued me Sing it out, Jesus is alive The empty cross, the empty grave Life eternal, you have won the day Celebrate, Jesus is alive He's alive And oh, happy day Happy day, you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same. Forever I am changed. When I stand in that place, free at last. You are and this joy, perfect peace. Every pain finally will cease. Celebrate, Jesus is alive. He's alive. And oh, happy day, happy day. You wash my sin away. What a glorious way that you have saved me. And oh, what a glorious day. What a glorious way. Yeah. And oh, happy day, happy day. You 
Jesus. One Peter four one to eleven. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same understanding, because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin. In order to live the remaining time in the flesh, no longer for human desires, but for God's will. For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles chose to do, carrying on in unrestrained behaviour, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and lawless idolatry. They are surprised that you don't join with them in the same flood of wild living and they slander you. They will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the, and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was also preached to those who are now dead, so that although they might be judged in the flesh according to human standards, they might live in the spirit according to God's standards. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him, be the glory, the power forever and ever. Amen. Well, it is my absolute privilege uh, this morning to be with uh, Pastor Jack Skett, who is one of, an Elam minister of our church in Dewsbury, uh, leading there alongside his wife, Annie. And I just uh, I've always uh, been so encouraged by Jack, uh, what he brings uh, in various meetings we've been a part of, his wisdom, his heart. Uh, he will uh, know people within our church because he used to serve in Selly Oak alongside Ian, Hesketh and Rachel. And so, Jack, just want to thank you so much for being with us this morning as we unpack the scriptures. Thanks, John. It's a real privilege to be with you and a huge hello to everyone at Oasis. Uh, really, really great to join you today. So we are going to just continue our conversation as a church. We've been unpacking um, uh, two words, which is holiness and community and what that means for us and how we how we practically live that out uh, within gospel communities that we've been stepping into our everyday life uh, in work, family, uh, relationships. And we've been journeying through the New Testament letter of one Peter and we're at a really fun part. It's been it's been, you know, chapter three has got really practical. And now it's there's some some heavy stuff in chapter four that, um, you know, as I was reading it, I just you came to mind in the sense of some of your story and, you know, just to say as well that Jack is an author and and having read his book that that that's what came to mind as we were as I was reading through these verses and I just I just thought you know Jack let's have a conversation around some of the stuff that's been pulled out of these verses just tell us a little bit about your story so people understand a little bit about, about where your journeys come from before we dive into these verses sure uh, so my my book is kind of based on my my testimony and then kind of unpacking so the journey that I, I've been on with that and how people can move forward uh, from a place of being addicted to pornography in my teens, uh, struggled with that for uh, around about three years 
during that time i i had this sort of cycle of of a pattern of behavior i guess for me Mm. where i would i would be sort of in the depths of this addiction and then i would be also living uh, the christian life or attempting to i'd be attending church every week and feeling just under a weight of condemnation every time i was in church uh and so i would go home and i would i would repent and you know i'd delete stuff off my hard drive and i would just do what i could that i felt like the right thing for me but it never really stuck Mm. and i don't know if you have any of you maybe people in the church have dealt with kind of a, a patterns of addictive behavior it's really difficult to break those patterns uh, particularly if you're attempting to do it by yourself and that was that was my journey i didn't tell anybody what was going on i was so ashamed of it all i mm. uh, i my perception of myself was that i was worthless i was a dirty dirty sinner and even god wouldn't want anything to do with me let alone wow. my brothers and sisters in church so the idea of talking to somebody about it was just completely alien to me I didn't want anybody to confirm what I already believed about myself. Uh, so I struggled with that for a long, long time, and I just couldn't break that cycle. And it wasn't until a few years later, and I was I was at Soul Survivor, and I can't even remember who was speaking. I just remember I was terrified of the guy. <laughs> One of those kind of preachers who, he, very shouty, okay. uh, was talking about angels, um, something about 13 foot tall angels that were in the tent at the time. Well, you know, it, it, it was, it was a weird talk. Like normally at Soul Survivor, you get fairly theologically sound. And it's not that he was unsound, I don't think, but it was just different, you know? Yeah. And he ended the message with an appeal. Uh, and this is where my terror really took hold. <laughs> like he pointed out at the crowd and it felt like he was pointing at me and he shouted, there's something on you. And God can see it, and I can see it. And I I thought to myself, he can see what's on me. Right. I, I, was, I was absolutely terrified, but I also knew in that moment that all of my efforts, all of my striving wasn't getting me anywhere. And I needed to do something different. And so I, I stood to receive prayer. I, I told my friend who was with me that I wanted help to quit smoking. I wasn't even really a smoker. I just had the occasional one to look cool. But I, <laughs> even at that point where I was, you know, I was at the end of my rope and bringing this problem before the Lord, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel able to share what was actually going on with anyone around me. Mm. But even so, you know, God is so good that, you know, even when we're, we're still not being fully truthful about things, he is able to meet us in those moments. Uh, and very graciously, he performed a miracle in my life on that moment. Wow. And when I sat down, I felt light, I felt free. Mm. And I knew in that moment that that freedom would be lasting. And it's been, well, oh, now I think I'm losing track of years now, more <laughs> than 15 years yeah. since that day. And not only did I, I stop looking at porn, I stopped feeling tempted to. Uh, I'm I'm now in a, a loving marriage where I'm continually seeing the grace of God at work in that there aren't even any echoes of those years in wow. my relationship with my wife. That was always a concern with me that this sort of lingering guilt 
from those years would affect my married relationship. And God has just completely undone that and brought me to a place of wholeness and value in him, uh, which is just incredible. Uh, I'm still discovering what that really means. Mm. Um, and in some ways, it's, it's been so long since the, those days that I, I can often forget. And maybe some of you watching could identify with that in some way that God has done some things in your past, which you've now you've lived in the reality of that so long that you take it for granted. And it's maybe only when you talk about it and reminisce that you realize, oh, God has brought me from such a long way. Yeah. What the psalmist says about lifting me from the miry clay. Like, yeah. yeah, it was so miry. And I've been so lifted. That's that's my story. That's where I've come from. It's amazing because so much of of what we're reading in Peter here is like what I'm hearing you say is okay. There's there's guilt and shame over the reality of how you see yourself, but to reframe that actually is is an understanding of uh, and an attitude uh, towards sin that. Mm. Um, I just, you know, the first the first verse is talking about um, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same understanding because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin. And, and I just wonder if there's like, I, I wonder if in the church we've got a problem with sin. And I, I, don't, I don't I don't mean necessarily like we're sinners, uh, but but actually that idea of actually, um, you know, one John of confess your sins to one another of that actually our, our attitude towards sin is not a particularly healthy one. Uh, and we kind of let's let's hide it because because it's that Eden thing of we're going to be exposed, we're going to have shame, and, and and we hide it. And actually, with, with what Christ has done, that we should have this attitude towards sin of the the, the weight of it and and the understanding of, of what it does and what it is. Um, but actually, we're all in this together, and we're all sinners. And how do we journey together with this? Yeah, I absolutely. I think. Part of the issue that we have is that the way that we talk about sin in the church is we talk about it in terms of sin avoidance. Yeah. And and in our discipleship, we can we can try to address patterns of sinful behavior. And that's good. That's fine. But in, in actual fact, there's a root behind yeah. all of those things. Our sinful behavior is just the fruit of something deeper in our hearts, maybe some element of unbelief, mm. uh, some something that we've come to believe about God or ourselves that's not true and needs to be brought to light in, in view of scripture. And actually it's one of those key words that you're talking about in these videos is holiness. Yeah. And I think I, I talk in the book about this, that instead of focusing on sin avoidance, let's focus on holiness, find out what pleases God and do that instead. And because if we focus on sin avoidance, then maybe we gain some victories there. But more often than not, we, we're we risking living in that place of condemnation every time you fall. Oh, I, I failed again. I'm terrible. And it becomes harder and harder to repent. And there's something in this text that just that jumps to me is that Peter says you must arm yourselves yeah. with the same attitude. And this it's a military sense here. Like imagine that you, you think in terms of like the full armor of God, you know, we're, we're told to put on the armor of God, take up the sword of the spirit. Why? So that we can stand firm yeah. against all the strategies of the evil one. And here it's arm yourself with the same attitude as Jesus in that he suffered physically. Yeah. So it, it's about being prepared 
to suffer rather than live the way that we used to. And you get this sense that the people that Peter is writing to here, they had that really stark choice. Yeah. Either we conform to the society that we're in, or we go with the way of Jesus, knowing that that leads to suffering. But going that way means we're done with the old way, which is leading to sin. Which is, which is a really ch- a real challenge, isn't it? Because so much of, like, I'm thinking of Psalm 1, so much of the Proverbs talks about these, these two paths that we can choose. One leads to life and one leads to death. And in, in my thinking, I'm like suffering, painful, don't like it, must lead to death. Uh, uh, instant gratification, feeling good about myself. Uh, that, that, that's great. That must lead to life. But actually, so much of what we see unpacked through, certainly through Peter and, and the life of Jesus, actually, is that it's so much the other way around. And what we think is good so often like I've stopped defining things as good and bad now because so much, so many times what I think is good leads to complacency and pride, things that aren't good attitudes and actions and actually things that I think are bad. God's forming something in me that without that, without that moment of suffering, without that, that thing that's happened in my life, he could never have formed me to be the person that he's calling me to be. Yeah. And again, I guess it's about our theology of suffering needing to be developed a little bit more. I think when we talk about suffering it's we will talk about God being present with us in suffering and that's right uh, we talk about God delivering us from suffering which he does do sometimes but this this text it, it makes it really clear that we we also ought to embrace suffering as one of the core realities of what it is to be a Christian and certainly that was true for the early church that suffering was a daily reality you, you don't just rock up to church on a Sunday morning each week like a club that you belong to but this is something you know you're prepared to come and die yeah because of your commitment to the way of Jesus and that Which actually is the reality for the majority world today you know that yeah. the reality of suffering is much closer than than we we like to keep it sanitized and at a distance and behind closed doors but actually for the majority world it is it's up there and and this is the reality of how we have to live yeah, I mean, it's so different for us because even if we do experience some suffering, it's we, we hesitate to use the word persecution in our culture because we know the reality that our brothers and sisters are facing around the world. For us, persecution may be, well, it may look like some of what Peter talks about in this this passage, that our, our non-Christian friends don't understand the choices that we make and yeah. they maybe will, will look at us differently. They, they might ridicule us sometimes. Or, what do you mean you don't do that? I remember when I had a friend once who was, she she expressed to me, I just don't know how I could live without sex. This was before I was married and she just couldn't get her head around the idea that I was not going to do that until I was married. And it's like, well, why wouldn't you? And I'm thinking, well, why would you? Yeah. <laughs> it's that sort of, well, I don't understand. And sometimes that can lead us to a place of, of being ostracized. That's about as much suffering as we might, realistically experience on a regular basis but sometimes we're not even prepared to go through that Mm. and that that's the challenge for us where we're not we're unlikely to be in a place where our lives or our physical safety are going to be threatened because of our commitment to the way of christ but our social standing our friendships uh, even our family relationships that it's it doesn't carry the same cost as it does for our brothers and sisters around the world. And they're prepared to pay that cost where we sometimes are not. 
and perhaps it's that that sense of being fully committed to a, a life of holiness above all else mm. which should lead us into that place of embracing suffering whatever form that takes knowing that it's in our sufferings that we identify with christ yeah i i just i just wonder as well as you're speaking that um like we, 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 we buy into this Christian narrative that life will get better and better and better. The closer we get to Jesus, the more we're formed into him. He will he will just make life comfortable and better for us. And it's, you know, we'll live the dream when actually living as a Christian is really hard. And it's 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 saying, you know, I'm going to die to myself what I want. And, you know, what you, your passage you're referring to in in, in verse three, are we, are we going to spend our lives living like everybody else? Um, because that's easy and um, you know uh, unrestrained behavior evil desires drunkenness orgies uh, lawless idolatry or you know all this kind of living which you might say well I've, I don't live like that but um, what, you, what you're talking about is at the root of you know they might be the fruits of the sin but at the root is a heart uh, I think Augustine talks about um, uh, disordered desires uh, that the, 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 like you're saying the fruit um is is exposing uh, and the sin is exposing a disordered desire below that that we we want to live for ourselves or we want to do what we want to do and we want to be our own lord we don't want to submit to jesus as lord uh, and live the way he calls us to which leads to life we want to do it in our own way and that you know if, if all we're dealing with is this is the fruit then you know i've got apple trees in my garden every year they grow apples so i can clear the fruit but it still comes back and the issue still remains but actually at the root there's some there's some disordered desire um that we've been we've been made for an eternal longing that only god can satisfy but we fill it so often with all these different things because it, it instantly solves the problem the lust the 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 pride the whatever it is that we, we we struggle with because that seems so much easier than actually saying god there's something going on here that you're calling me to live differently and it is going to require suffering it's going to require death to myself uh, in order to experience life in you yeah and i think it's more than just sin as well Mm. as again we can we can focus on um cutting out the the rotten roots that, yeah. that produce bad fruit in us that is sinful behavior but it's also sometimes just our our sense of self-sufficiency yeah. and that's something that we see in our culture is you know we we're focused so much on the self mm. and sometimes that can be helpful but we need to understand that all of that for us as christians is in the context of christ yeah that we identify ourselves with him. Our identity is shaped by him and what he says. But so much of our practice is about what we can do for ourselves. Yeah. Because we maybe you've got a job, maybe you've you've got a decent house and a car and you can afford a nice holiday each year. You've, you can afford all of the mod cons that you need. Your budget is in the black. Um, and so where, where does God fit into that? And it's not that we should impoverish ourselves either, but yeah. it's understanding that if we're pursuing holiness, that's more than just avoiding the wrong behaviours. It's bringing all of our attitudes under the lordship of Jesus mm. and asking, well, what does it look like to live my whole life the way of Jesus? And putting everything under the microscope then through that lens of the gospel how do we apply the truths of the gospel to the everyday stuff of our lives so that not only do we avoid doing things which are sinful, but we also avoid holding on to attitudes which our society deems to be completely normal, like self-sufficiency. Yeah. Uh, uh, celebrated, isn't it? Our society yeah. celebrates that. Yeah, I, I don't I don't need anybody else. You know, that 
it's going back a few years now, but I always think of that Ed Sheeran song, you need me, man, I don't need you. <laughs> yeah. And, but no, that's not the way it is. Actually, we need one another yeah. and we need the Lord. Uh, we're not self-sufficient. We're Christ-sufficient. Yeah. Uh, we need that that daily, uh, like every morning, new mercies, you know, fresh Holy Spirit infilling every day. Because without it, we're just going to bow on like everybody else. But we're called to more to something that has eternal significance, even in the here and now. Yeah. So, Jack, help me really practically. You know, we, we, we've touched on that arm yourselves um, with the same understanding. I think I think Peter unpacks some stuff of, you know, what I see with Peter is that he sort of he exposes some of the problem and then he calls people to live in a different way, which we can probably look at in, in a few moments. But just for you, you know, from from where you've been, um, your story, what does it look like for you to arm yourself? Well, first and foremost, it's not just getting into the Bible, but getting the Bible into you. Yeah. This is the key. And I have to confess, I'm not always the best at this. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll read my Bible every day, but I'm, I've got a busy life. Not just because I've got a, a job to do, but I've got two young kids. Uh, my home is noisy. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's cluttered it's busy there's you know you have a moment's peace and, and then suddenly daddy 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 and so it's a challenge then to really give yourself a good amount of time a moment to just be with the lord to internalize scripture and not just read it yeah uh, and that's something i I, will, I confess to you that i struggle to do on a regular basis just because of the stuff of life and yeah. i suppose the key then is to well, where can you create space in your day? Uh, we kind of, we over the years, we've adopted kind of a one-size-fits-all approach to this. You've got to have your morning quiet time. Yeah. Well, mornings don't work for me. <laughs> the, the kids yeah. are up, they're awake, they're watching CBBS. You know, they, <laughs> they want my attention. Um, other kids' channels are available. <laughs> where else is there time? Because we, we've all got time. We might spend yeah, I love that idea of redeeming time that yeah. the, there's certain things we do. Like I remember for me, there was a season where it was really hard. I had to get up early for work, but I had like a 40 minute commute. Yeah. So redeeming that time became really precious. And actually that, that God time was ended up being a commute where it was headphones in listening to scripture, just praying and redeeming moments that we think we, you know, I haven't got time there because I'm doing this, but actually weaving within it, uh, time where we can we we can be with Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. I I miss the take the days where I could set aside an yeah. hour first thing in the morning and just sit quietly in a chair with my Bible and a book. Yeah, you have to adapt to the season that you're in, and that's the thing. I forget any kind of comparisons. Um, I, I, the, the number of books that I've read on prayer <laughs> and, and stopped halfway through because I just got discouraged. Yeah by the phenomenal prayer life that this author has. Just forget all of that. What does it look like for you in your circumstance, in your situation as a follower of Jesus, to have some time with your heavenly father on a regular basis? If you can only manage five or 10 minutes, that's five or 10 minutes more than you were doing before. Yeah. And that maybe just start, start where you can. And if you can increase it as you go, then do that. Think of it as forming any other kind of habit. Mm. You know, if you if you need to work out, you, you don't go straight to going to the gym every day of, of the week. 
<laughs> that'd be killer but you build it up gradually so maybe actually if you do then you'll probably burn out pretty quickly because yeah. you haven't got the energy to, to sustain the the vision you have of what you want to achieve so actually slow and steady so often is is the key isn't it yeah and that's it's, it's the trap we can so easily fall into yeah for me if i want to have a, a morning time just quiet before starting the day i've got to get up at like 5 a.m yeah and even then it's not the guarantee because one of the kids will probably wake up and it's like, but <laughs> Think of something that you can sustain, something that will actually work for you and be life-giving. And I guess the other thing for me is just thinking about how are you wired? How yeah. are you made? I'm I'm not a very good prayer in terms of like, if I just try and sit down and be quiet and pray, I will think about other things. Mm. I'll start planning the day. I'll start thinking about, um, what I was watching on telly last night or you know something else but or I'll fall asleep <laughs> those are the two yeah. situations uh but actually what part of the way that I'm wired is that I'm a writer and a musician mm. so I I might stick some music on and just sing or maybe I'll grab my guitar or one of them and play some music or perhaps you know I've, I've got I've got my journal and I don't write in this as much as I should, but I've started over lockdown to just write down my prayers in long form uh, and treat it as like this book is me writing to the Lord. Yeah. And I'm learning to understand that that is also prayer that is valid. And he, you know, it's as valid as me praying out loud or in my head. Really good. Really good. Um, just, just to move on. I know, I know time is short and, um, I just wanted to jump into to verse seven and, uh, um, you know, I think Peter in that first section is, and he's talking about don't live like this, don't live like these people. Then I think he kind of says, look, um, the end of all things is near, therefore be a low, but, uh, alert and sober minded uh, for prayer above all maintain constant love for. I love how he unpacks this. It's yeah. like, like the, I mean, so many people are like the end is nigh these days. And it's like, you know, we've got to get serious. And he says, be alert and sober minded for prayer. But above all, maintain constant love for one another. Sincere love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable. But, and it's so practical. He starts saying, like, guys, you're now in community. I'm writing to a community of people. This is what you should start to look like. This is this is how this life should start to be evidenced through how you your love for one another, uh, the, the world will see that you're my disciples. Yeah. That, there's been a lot of talk about the end times even mm. in the last couple of weeks, which COP26 and all of yeah. that, this whole argument about should we be talking about climate change or should we just be preaching the gospel i don't want to be too flippant i have a tendency to be flippant but yeah i'll be flippant for a moment forget all that yeah yes let's preach christ yes let's talk about climate change because it's important in our society let's make it's a gospel issue everything is a gospel issue yeah um but the focus here as you say is love is uh, jesus has been coming back soon since the moment he left yeah so he could come back as soon as right now, or yeah. it could be a hundred or a thousand years in the future. We just don't know. What we do know is that we're to be urgent about the proclamation of the gospel. Yeah. We're to be uh, fervent about our love for one another. Um, I love the way that uh, the NLT puts verse nine. It says, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Brilliant. It's not just... Well, you know, have some people around from time to time, but actually this is something that should be joyful for us yeah. in the same way that we're told to be, be glad about our giving, uh, both to the local church and to others in need. 
know, God loves a cheerful giver. He, he also loves a cheerful host. Yeah. And so does everyone else. You know, you don't want to go to someone's house yeah. when you know they don't really want you there. But cheerfully share your homes with one another and just imagine that the joy that that will bring to us. Our homes have been closed for the better part of two years because of COVID. And, you know, I'm sure that many people watching felt the same as, as I did, that we just missed being able to have people in our homes. We missed being able to go and see people. Yeah. And we've perhaps woken up to the reality of how valuable it is to be around people and have people around us. If that's true of our society at large, of our friendships and our social circles, how much more true is it of our community of church, which gathers around the gospel together? We, we know that we're more than Sundays. Yeah, absolutely. We're about more than that. We're about more than just a midweek Bible study that we've called house group for the last 30 years or so. Yeah. Like there's, there's more to experience of what it is to be uh, a church, to be disciples who are making disciples of one another and those around us. Let's cheerfully share our homes, knowing that Jesus is coming back soon. We don't know what soon really means, but he is coming back soon. So we've got a job to do. And it's not about guilt. It's about the joy of yeah. the gospel that, that we, we have the, the best news in the world to share. And we should be the most welcoming, the most vibrant, the most life-giving community that people yeah. from all around want to be part of. Because like you said, John, like, like John 13, 35, you know, you should, yeah. the world will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. And there's something deeply attractive about that. If we can nail that, if we can do that right, then it speaks of the gospel to others. And it, it's something that everyone wants to be part of something yeah. that's bigger than themselves, where they feel valued and loved. Absolutely. And I, I think just to end, with, end on this, I, I love 11 verse 8, that it says that actually this way of living, uh, since love covers a multitude of sins. Yeah. And I just I look and I, instantly I'm like, I, my, when I first read that, I was like, wow, that's the cover up. There's there's the there's the option to cover up all my sins is just, <laughs> just love it. But I'm not sure. I, well, I know that's not what Peter's getting at. It's almost like he's saying living this way, uh, kind of in, in, in inviting, inviting a life that that lets other people in and living, living differently to how the Gentiles live. Then we, we kind of give this this gift of a moment and invite others uh, to, to, to be transformed in a situation. And so, you know, where sin might be this curve in on ourselves and its selfishness and it's it's our desires and our wants that actually that the curve goes a different way. And it's an invitation to live in the authentic humanity that God created us to live in. Yeah. And it's that that sense that if you're coming into this community, this isn't a place of judgment. Yeah. Like people wonder sometimes what what will the church make of me? Yeah. You know, they I. I, I've done all of this stuff. Maybe people know what you, what you're like, but actually, our focus isn't on the the sins that you're committing. It's not yeah. on the lifestyle that you're leading. It's we just want to love you. Yeah. And like there's there's no sense in this that our love covers in terms of atones for sins. That's yes. all in Jesus. Yeah. But when we love one another well, we're able to forgive. We're like we're able to overlook and just prefer one another. Uh, and this, this is key, like this, it's acceptance. Yeah. The world is so desperate for acceptance and it's interpreted in all of the wrong ways. And it's just take me as I am, this is who I am and I'm not gonna change. Whereas, you know, we're within our understanding, our gospel understanding, yet we take people as they, as they are, knowing that 
God wants to form Christ in them. Yeah. yeah, We're going to love you in spite of your sin, and we're going to love you towards Jesus Mm. and keep doing that until he comes back. Yeah, I love that. I love that, that it's actually um, in that moment we're displaying who Jesus is, that yet whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And and just to bring the story full circle, it's like that sense of shame that you carried that, you know, you, ha- you had to come and confess uh, what you deemed a lesser sin of like, I've been smoking uh, because I don't want to deal with this pornography issue. Then actually um, in that space, shame is dissolved uh, and sin is dissolved because Jesus's love is what is shown through the community. Yeah, it's it's got to be all about him. Yeah. Uh, if, as long as we're focusing on on the carnal stuff, the flesh stuff, then it's that's always going to be the focus. But God is calling us higher, um, and we're you know we're to be perfect as He's perfect. We're to mm. imitate Christ. Uh, that's our focus. That's what holiness is. Yeah. Uh, that key word that you're looking at in this series. Uh, it's not about being holier than now. It's about being like Jesus, and finding out day by day in those small shifts what it looks like to be more like Jesus today than you were yesterday yeah brilliant Jack thank you appreciate you and appreciate everything you're doing and do you want to hold up your book once more just so people can uh, can see that a better kind of intimacy uh, available through all good Christian bookshops Eden and and such like Um, but um, it's a great read and, and I know it'll encourage people and so Jack thank you for everything you bring and appreciate you thank you John thank you so much for having me this has been fun Just so grateful for Jack and him sharing his story, being so honest. Um, You know, it's it's something in the church, isn't it, where we can admit that we're not perfect, that there's things in our life, there's attitudes, character flaws, there's there's things that when we look at Jesus and we reflect on ourselves, they're they're not the same and there's a gap. And um, I I just sense now that um, we just want to give you an opportunity just in the, the safety of wherever you are right now, with your own home or, or listening or, or, or watching wherever you are, I uh, just want to invite you just to take a few moments. Uh, maybe as you were listening to Jack and myself having a conversation, uh, stuff started to, to, to become clear to you in the sense of like that bit, that, that sin that I always go back to. And maybe your story isn't like Jack's where you've prayed and asked God to, to help you in a certain area. I want to encourage you and say um, you can come back to him. And what I love about Jack's story is that it was the power of God that set him free. And for him, it was in a moment. For others, it can be over a period of time. We have to trust God in the process of him healing us and forming us and conforming us. But we we can come to him and it's by his spirit. It's our our desire, us choosing to come to him and and us choosing to to say, this is something that God, you're calling me to lay down in my life. Uh, but I need your help and I'll do what I can do. But it's partnering with the spirit saying, God, there comes a point where it's only you that can can take me that that extra step. Only you that can set me free from this. Only you that can can transform this, that attitude or that action or that thought or that whatever it is that that so easily entangles us. And so I want to uh, invite you right now just to just to come honestly before God. You know, you know, prayer as we as we as we spend time with God in prayer. Prayer isn't the place where we prove that we're good. It's the place that we can be honest it's a place of honesty where we come before God and we say, God, this this thing, this whatever it is, I lay it before you, God. I acknowledge that it's not who you're calling me to be, that it falls short of the humanity that you call us into. Will you help us by your spirit? 
and then we trust God in the process. And so my prayer is that uh, that as we sing in this moment, that you, you just take a time just to pause, just take a few moments just to stop before God and just examine your own heart, examine your own ways, things this week. Ask, invite the Spirit just to say, God, I, I can't think of something right now. I just say, God, will you just bring to mind right now that which you want me to lay before you and ask your Spirit to consume in order for me to become more like you? So my prayer is that, God, you would just come and meet with your people, meet with your people right now as we as we worship you, as we lift you high. Some may feel nothing at all, but we trust and we we believe in you, that you are working. That God, you are you are making a way. So whether we feel anything or not, God, we know that you're always with us and you're forming us and conforming us from one degree of glory to another. So now deep, cry out to deep. The depths of my self, I bring honestly to the depth of who you are, God, and ask you to start to transform us by your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Because you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, touching every
even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, yeah. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, never stop working. Never stop. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, never stop working. Thank you, God, that you never stop working that you never, ever stop, whether we feel it or not, whether you seem distant and far away, or whether you seem as close as the air as we breathe, whether we're on a mountaintop or a valley, God, you are forming us and conforming us. Uh, and, and Lord, you, you never stop working. You never stop making a way in the wilderness. You don't stop uh, bringing rivers into the dry, uh, dry valleys. You don't stop putting flesh on those dead bones. God, that is what you do. And so, Lord, we, we thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing in and through us as we seek to be a community of people together, a community of people seeking to live, love and love like you, a life of holiness. Church, I just want to encourage you and say, uh, don't forget that next week we're back in person at the URC Church. It's going to be a great Sunday morning. We've got Alistair Taylor coming to uh, to minister with us. and uh, He's got an amazing testimony of God's faithfulness in the midst of uh so some some real suffering in his life uh, personally and within his family. And so uh, be encouraged uh, and just come and hear, hear, hear the story of someone who's, who God has been journeying with uh, and taking deeper into himself as we continue looking at 1 Peter. I also want to encourage you um, to bring uh, any food items. Uh, there's an email going out, so hopefully you can get onto our e-newsletter. We're going to be donating to the food bank, the Stratford Food Bank uh, food, uh, Christmas parcels and hampers that are going to go out to families. So wouldn't it be great as a church if we can just create even more hampers for more people to be blessed in our town this Christmas. Uh, so I want to encourage you, whether you're meeting in gospel communities this afternoon, have an amazing time, uh, just an organised time where we can be together and celebrate what God is doing as we live out on mission in the everyday stuff of life. Uh, and I, I just, I want to thank you for all that you are and all that you're allowing God to do in and through us as we, we make ourselves available to the Spirit. Uh, God, will you complete in us your rule and reign uh, and, and, and in and through us, complete that into the world around us. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Guys, have a blessed day and look forward to seeing you soon.